So, Joe, there was a point in time where you reached your decision uh, that something had to change. Yeah, there was. Looking outside of your box at life through the window on the other side. What was that moment? Well, when was that as moment? you say, I imagine myself inside a glass box. Um, and everything that I want from life is on the outside of that box. But every time I go towards the window, I hit it because I'm, I'm not allowing myself outside of it. And what that was, was basically working five days a week, nine to five, in a business that I'd created that I'd fallen completely out of love with um, because I believed it was everything that I wanted from life. Then? Then. Because I believed that over a period of time it was going to give me wealth in the monetary format. Cars, houses, status, ego, everything, success. And I guess that wasn't what I wanted in the slightest. And what I really, really wanted from life was the freedom to do whatever the hell I wanted every single day. And the business had become something that had taken that freedom away from me completely. And therefore, it affected everything in my life. I mean, everything. Friends, friendships. It, I didn't fall out with anybody, but the way that I communicated with my friends was certainly nowhere near as good as it had been in the past. You know, Laura, my girlfriend, she was... Um, getting very, very frustrated with me and things like that. So, yeah. But when you actually sit down and look at it, what really happened in the end is you realise that everything has a price. Yes. And the thought of success, money, you know, fast cars, the old sort of cliche of, of basically achieving the, the dream kind of thing comes at a cost. Yeah. And you reach that stage when you're sitting in your office looking out the window when you realise what that price actually now meant. Yeah. And you balance the two up and went, you know what? It ain't worth it. No, it's not. And I mean, so what happened is I, you know, in August 2016, I woke up after five seizures because I'd basically worked too many hours. Stress. Yeah, I have stress. So these I, are stress-induced seizures, by the way. Yeah, I came out of hospital and it wasn't for around 10 months after, I think nine months after the seizures that I actually came to see you yeah. because I believed that I could fix myself, but I was incorrect about that. Um, and the funny thing about that is I already knew the answer. The answer quite literally was leave the business, go and travel the world, be free, <laughs> do other things. And yet I needed to come to you <laughs> to help me understand that. And I'm a complete stranger. I, yeah. I, I had no knowledge of Joe, by the way, before this point in time. No. I was stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were. I was stuck. But you had the answers. You knew yeah. the answers. Yeah. Ironically, you know, the work that you and I did together didn't involve me coming up with any sort of uh, magic uh, solution. It just really, what you actually heard pretty much was what you wanted. Yes. I just needed the, um, the confidence of a professional, <laughs> I think. And somebody outside of your circle yeah, yeah. who could, without basically uh, sort of angle, look at the situation yeah. and you know, really turn around and say, hang, hang on a Joe. Uh, you know, you know what you need to do. Yeah, you can't continue like this anymore. It's I time think to I had this. Exit. I had this feeling in the back of my head, and I think probably not many people in my life really thought this about me. But I just felt that people would think that I was ungrateful because I'd got a successful business. <laughs> you know, I lived in a nice place. I had money, and it just 
you know, I just genuinely believe people think I was an ungrateful prick. Um, but then I realized that's, you know, it's funny that actually, I genuinely believe that. But since I've made the decision to leave, I've become way more open with people that I know. And I, I swear, I can just feel that they are responding to me in a much more positive way. Well, Joe, by the time... When did you start this business? You're 27 now. Yeah. When did you start that business? 22. So at 22, you start this business. And at 27, you realise that you reach this point in time where this is it. Now, of course, you're going to make more money and it's, the thing's going to go bigger and it's going to get more successful. Yeah. But the bigger it grows, the more it owns you. And it turns into a monster. Yes. And effectively, it's like Pac-Man. You're being chased yeah. uh, by the monster that, you, that you're going to create. Mm. Uh, and you're really, up until that point in time, you're very keen to create it. But suddenly yeah. you realise you're creating your own monster. And then suddenly you're 37. 27. No. Then oh, suddenly sorry. You become yes. 20, 37. <laughs> sorry, I thought you were putting and 10 years on things have, you, You've gained bigger, more shuttles, more responsibilities, more, I don't know, maybe wife, kids, and all the rest. Of it. And then suddenly you're 47. And you actually, then a lot of people come and see me who are in that age group, 37, 47, even 50-somethings, yeah. turning around and saying, well, what the hell was that all about? Yeah. What, you know, but you're at the cusp. This is an opportunity. That was an opportunity for you to make that decision that you took, which is like, this is just not working. I've got to step through the glass box, step through the, uh, the TV screen of life and get yeah. to the other side. Yes. So what did you do, Joe? Please tell the audience. <laughs> well, I... Firstly... I would just say very quickly that I actually, thinking about that 37, 47 thing, I've been spending a lot of time since that talking to 45-year-olds <laughs> and, and just trying to work out how they feel. Maybe they wanted to do something similar to what I'm about to do. Maybe they really genuinely wanted to do that and just never did it. And then they accumulate, as you say. Yeah. And before before often people know it, they're just in the groove. Yeah. You know, it's the mortgage, it's the uh, the tin lids, it's the, the wife, the family, the christenings, the Christmases, the birthday parties. And a lot of people are happy, a lot of people are really satisfied to achieve that. But there's a number of people I've worked with over the years who kind of like reach a point where they say, well, there's got to be more to life. Yeah. And let's face it, we only have one go in life. Exactly, we only have one, one life. life. It's li literally written on the wall right there. One life. Um, and that's something that plays through my head all the time. Yeah. You know, you have one life. You're going to die. <laughs> Make the most of it. Don't have any regrets. Exactly. But, you know, uh, Joe, by the way, is 27. I'm 58. And looking back, I've, I've been in a very similar situation to Joe going back in my 20s, 30s and 40s. But the, the point is, when you actually sit down and look at this, I believe today's generation uh, has an opportunity through electronics, um, computing and various other things where the ability to do what Joe's going to do is... Well, I don't think there's ever quite been a time like this because of technology. And therefore, it makes it much easier for you to do. Yeah. So, we, you know, we should speak about what I'm going to do. Or more Joe, so, what, what I did are we going to do? do. So, obviously, I came to see you twice to yeah, begin yeah, with. And yeah. we had a conversation that actually revolved around me going to Vancouver, didn't it? And paddle boarding yep. in Vancouver <laughs> Bay. That, that was that the was that, that was, the, that was the, the visual. Yeah. A few weeks later, I came back in and said, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> I want to go to Southeast Asia. I want to go surfing. I want to go to co-working spaces. And I want to be involved in this remote digital nomad business community where people very similar to me who've been trapped inside this glass box realised that there was a more fruitful life on the outside yeah. of it. They've stepped through and realised and come into this huge community with other people and that's what I want to be part Without of. Without realising it was there. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the, and, the, and the odd thing about it for Joe, the hard part for Joe was actually uh, he felt letting down other people, and one of them was a business partner, yeah, for example, really yeah. who was a, a best friend as well at the same time. That really, really, really uh, caused a lot of anxiety within Joe, worrying about that. Mm. And once we made that decision in the second uh, time we met, and yeah. Joe was now, he just well went ahead and did it. Yeah. And, you know, uh, uh, your relationship with your business partner is great. Yeah, it's fine. It's great. Friendship is good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Are you worried about that anymore? No. Not in the slightest. No. But yet it was, that fear was holding you yeah. back. That was, the, that was the most, you know, with him, that was the single most difficult yeah. part of everything. Completely. I just, I just really didn't want to let him down. We, you know, we started this business together. Yeah. Um, we had very similar goals to begin with. Um, and I just, I really just wanted to make sure that he could still achieve that I know he can I you know I just wanted to support him through it but then I had you know it's not I can't I don't really really like the idea of saying it's a life-changing moment but I don't think I can get around it I had a life-changing moment it genuinely changed my perspective on everything yeah everything and then our goals became completely different and I 1000% respect his goals yeah and want him to be very successful um, and I'm just so glad that we are like really fine. There's no issues. Yeah, and and, and, mm. and in a way, it was a very amicable, and let's use the word not likely, a very amicable business divorce. Yeah. Um, where basically all parties went away happy. Yes. Uh, which is necessarily the best way mm-hmm. if you can have uh, such a thing uh, in the first place. Yeah. So we are here uh, where we are now, Joe, and... Uh, uh, you're well, we're in Warrington to... right now. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're in Warrington, just outside yeah. Warrington Central train station, and it's a Wednesday afternoon, yes. and it's cold, and it's snowing outside as well. Well, it was a few days ago. It's very cold, actually. I'm so close to leaving now. Yeah, well, I'm so I'm literally. So what day are you going? Second of January. So we are the. Uh, by the way, this is the thirteenth of December. Yes. Uh, Two thousand and seventeen. Yes. And it's uh, ten past three in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So in the end, you're leaving. Yeah. Where are you going, Joe? Flying to Singapore. And then meeting with my friend Ben and Anna. And then we are travelling from the northern tip of Indonesia down to the southern tip-ish. Surfing as we go. Are you doing it? Driving or? No, well, buses and planes and really? whatever, trains, anything. Okay. And it's a bit of a long country. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's going to be great. Surfing a lot. You know, it's going to be amazing. And then I think we'll put, we probably are going to fly, to be honest with you, because we want to get to Bali fairly quickly because Bali is where there's a huge remote digital nomad community it's yeah. absolutely riddled with co-workers <laughs> and, and i think that's yeah. the most important thing for the audience to understand you're not going on a vacation no you are not backpacking you are actually as they experiencing going from one working co-working space to another yes uh, listening talking networking and we're going to be doing lots of podcasts as a result yeah we are and forwards i'm staying here in the uk obviously <laughs> and uh Joe's having all the fun. Um, As always. <laughs> <laughs> no. When are, you, when, are you, when are you contemplating coming back to the UK Shores initially? Well, I'm going to come back in April. And then I'm going to spend the summer, I think, in this country. But the point is, I have so much freedom that I could, if I decide that I want to go somewhere else in the summer, then I, I, I can. So one of the things I was thinking about doing was um, going to live in Seville for a month <laughs> or maybe a bit longer. And then just immerse myself in Spanish and not speak English at all. Yeah a month apart from when we record the podcast okay and just that's something i've wanted to do for so long and my granddad can speak spanish and he's always looked at me and said you know you, you know you should learn spanish you should learn spanish he's all oh, and yeah. i i genuinely want to do this. this isn't pressure from him 
but I'd love to just come back and be able to have a conversation with him. That would be fantastic. But all the way along, <laughs> when Joe's actually doing this, uh, uh, he's also working. And the idea is from his laptop, um, given his uh, expertise and knowledge in the marketplace that he, um, he in, is in his industry, how much can he make while he's actually doing all this? So you have to imagine Joe almost sitting next to a beach that he's just about to go surfing uh, from with his laptop out, uh, communicating with somebody, I don't know, in New York, doing a piece of work for them, mm. whatever, organising uh, some conference, some speech or whatever else. Yeah. So he has to make his own money as he goes. Yes. Uh, within reason, of course. And this is what he's, um, this is what he's proving uh, in co-working spaces and in digital nomad tech yes. and, uh, non-lodge. So obviously I sold the business back to Tim. Sure. Um, so, I've, you know, I already had a fairly decent wedge of savings. I've got a fair, you know, I've got a good amount of money, but not enough to travel for th- that long. Uh-huh. Um, so, and I, j- I want to work. I want to work. That's really important. And, and you know, you'll hear, you see this all the time. You get people that are talking about, I want to earn passive income. I want to earn passive income from this thing. It's bullshit. It is bullshit. I actually heard Gary Vaynerchuk say, um, there is no such thing as passive income. Because you can earn income passively from buying a house, let's say, yeah. or on the stock market. But how much money did you have to accumulate actively before you were able to invest in property to then earn the money back so for anyone that's interested in digital nomad life please don't get stuck down the rabbit hole that is these gurus or charlatans as i like to call them um saying that you can earn passive income online because it's not true that doesn't happen but what you can do is you can work completely on your own terms set by your own hours from anywhere in the world on an, on a business that doesn't require you to be in one physical location and really there aren't that many modern day industries that can't be operated um, remotely so something that I'm very very interested in at the moment is this thing called Fulfilled by Amazon so basically it's a product based business you go to China and you select a design or you have designs done professionally and then they create products for you and they ship those products directly to Amazon for Amazon to fulfill to the customer. So all you have to do is the marketing, the product design and selection and fulfillment is taken care of by Amazon. So they take a cut, but it means that you can travel the world. Really? Run, yeah, whilst running a proper product business, you can sell literally anything, TVs, Chairs, sofas, just looking around the room here. Um, <laughs> Get your hands anything, off. Anything, you know, gym equipment, right. weights, it doesn't matter. Um, because you're able to do all the marketing, which can just be done on a laptop with a camera and stuff. So imagine if you were selling something like gym equipment, let's just say, and you were able to take some elastic bands, like I use, like resistance yeah. bands, around the world and just shoot them on beaches in Thailand and things, all of your marketing content would be better than what anyone that was fixed in the UK could ever create. Really? And you would actually have probably a better business because you were fully remote. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's like a lot to take in. Yeah. So run me past that again. Microsoft have... Amazon. Amazon, right? Yeah. And then... Fulfilled by Amazon, it's called. Okay, fulfilled by Amazon. Right. Yeah. You basically just send the stock direct from the factory in China or wherever in the world it's been produced 
directly to Amazon's distribution center in your country or in Europe or in the US. And then <coughs> you list it on Amazon. They give you the tools to do that. And then it's listed for people to buy. You well, just yeah. have to do the marketing because you need to get people to it. Amazon yeah. aren't just going to send you traffic. No. Um, and yeah, I'm going to do it. I've been talking to my dad about doing it in partnership with him so yeah. he can look after it from the UK because um, his experience is huge yeah. in this. But that's, you know, that's one option. That's one, that, I must say that is one option. And there are other things that I have... Yeah, I've, but this is actually part yeah. of a new wave uh, or maybe these days not such a new wave uh, that's been um, generating towards this co-working space uh, and digital nomad yeah. uh, existence that you've been talking about, which makes this generation so able, so adaptable um, to in- engage fully on it. Yeah. And in the end, perhaps people, as they start basically uh, more generations nearer towards mine, perhaps start realizing what you guys are doing these days and how, relatively speaking, from the sounds of it, it is. Yeah, it is. And I mean, so... For, I'll say, say two things. Firstly, with Amazon, I think even for me, so I'm going to say it from my perspective, not as if I'm trying to educate you listening, is that I want to learn how Amazon <laughs> works to a really deep level because I believe that, and all the stats show this, that Amazon is going to eat everything. It's going to be, it's already the biggest company in the world, sure, sure. pretty much. It's going to be so much bigger. And they've innovated voice purchasing so you basically have an amazon alexa sure, sure. and you just go alexa purchase me a pair of socks and they come the next day and in if you're in a city like new york or london it'll come the same day um now if amazon owns that technology surely it makes sense for me to be playing in their playground to understand the way that they're operating because that will give me the first jump on understanding voice purchasing and voice search so that as times change very 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 quickly i'm able to know what i'm talking about and adapt to it and you don't need to be in a fixed space to do it no you just need relatively speaking you know a laptop and wi-fi and you're away to go yeah exactly god and the other thing that i'll say is that a lot of people i think are fearful that if they go and travel the world working remotely, they won't earn the same amount of money that they are now. Well, firstly, there aren't that many places in the world that are as expensive to live mm-hmm. as the likes of London and mm. you know New York or you know the Western world. If you take the similar similar sort of money to Bali, you'll be very wealthy. Um, so that's one point. You know, living in Thailand is a lot cheaper than it is here. No, I agree because I had a client. He did exactly you know, a, a form of what you did. Yeah. And before he had a, a girl that he was um, dating and she lived on the Cambodian uh, Thai border, nowhere near the sort of tourist hotspots. And he was literally very, he's very, in fact, I'm doing him again shortly. He's come back. But um, he was very into IT and um, uh, he does a lot of banking software and all the rest of it. He makes a phenomenal amount of money. But his argument was he could basically move out to that neck of the woods, live with this girl who owns a nice bamboo sort of farm, rice paddies, and she has an ox, by the way, uh, and live a very uh, low-cost, very, very low-cost existence. But he said to me, look, David, I can go and work on a project, let's say, in New Zealand or Singapore. He was actually targeting New Zealand for a month and come back and live for six months on that income because of the cost structure. So that is one option. So you can come back to the UK, work for six months, maybe. But... For me, I want to work all year round, but I can earn 
plenty of money, potentially. I genuinely think quite easily more money than I've been earning in the last yeah. five years whilst travelling the world. But living, it's like a, what's it, geo-arbitrage, yeah. basically, where you are earning money in the UK at X, but it's double Time it's value, yeah, yeah, in Thailand, yeah. yeah. But his game was the opposite. I work a month, I take six months yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's uh, he, interesting He's 40, as well. 42, 43. Yeah. So I live a month, uh, I work a month, I, I, I live six. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, and, and literally, and he was delighted by it. And that may well be a better option for the slightly older people listening. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to really choose my words carefully there, just in case. Yeah, right, okay. Well, you know, in, in the end, not everybody wants to do what you're doing. No, no. <coughs> I not everybody that. then they previously, probably before broadcasts like this, yeah. realise that they can do it. I just think... You can. You're of the age group where you can. Yeah, I'm very, very fortunate. Incredibly lucky. And I think that... You know, I, the other thing is that I feel that my... I thank my lucky stars that I worked out what I wanted from life at this age. Yeah. I mean, when you actually sit down and look at it the opposite way around, and you're right, lots of people in their 40s and 50s might look back uh, with regret. You know, um, you're actually deciding. But I don't know if you're doing something. I don't. I, I can't quite uh, conclude in my own mind whether you're just on a on a leading wave of the next generation. Mm rather than basically uh, just finding a way of living in, in today's existing world. I actually think a lot of people are potentially going to be going down this route that you're progressing. Yeah. A lot of people have, and more people are going to be going down this route where you step outside the glass box to the world outside. You yeah. stop looking out. You start living in. A lot of people have already begun this journey, certainly, but I, I think it's a very small percentage of the people that want to, that have actually made the leap. And let's face it, guys, once upon a time, Bitcoin was 300, uh, 300 bucks uh, a, a unit. Now look at it. Uh, so yes. perhaps this is where you know, uh, you know, Joe's on that leading cusp where it's, uh, there's going to be many, 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 many million in years to come yeah, exactly, joining yeah. you on that beach in Bali. I will it's going to say, a bit of a crowded country. Yeah, I think it might. That's why we've got to keep going around. You know. <laughs> You've got to keep be really inter- That's a really, another really, really good point, actually, is that places become very popular sure. and then it pushes on like say the leading edge of the uh-huh. you know the innovator if you will yeah. they go somewhere else and then it creates another so this is going to go this is not just Bali and Thailand and you know part, small parts of South America this is and Eastern Europe this is potentially everywhere in the world which is a completely new way of living yeah and a completely new way of existence and living which is outside the confines of the state structure that exists yeah. at the present in time exactly and I mean, you know, for example, we, we can only really talk on this podcast from my perspective about me traveling the world because that was me becoming unstuck and going outside of the glass box. But I must stress, and especially from David's side, is that people that are stuck in life, you know, you don't have to go traveling the world. No. Maybe you are in a job, a corporate job, and you just want to be a photographer. Well, and that's it. And a lot of people in corporate, and I include myself in this, having come from that environment uh, years ago, um, you know, really at the end of the day, we have uh, a reluctance to step away from that corporate existence, that uniform, that uh, identity, because it is an identity. It is a constant salary check coming through the door. It is consistent. Um, And so it offers us an awful lot that basically we are loath to let go of, but it traps us at the same time. So we have to do, we question... 
am I free uh, within this straitjacket or am I free of the straitjacket yeah, yeah. and fearful of being free of the straitjacket? Yeah. Existence, if that's not... Yeah, totally. And I would say that the, the, say the philosophical side of this potentially is that I, you know, we believe that everyone um, has the freedom to make their own choices in life. Correct the Monday. But stuck inside an anti-democratic workplace is not going to allow that freedom. So I'm not trying to like... <laughs> collapse the corporate machine by making everybody jump ship but i'm just saying to those people that are genuinely unhappy and feel stuck inside the glass box then exercise the muscles of the things that you genuinely believe will give you some happiness and just have a go and make it happen i mean at the end of the day find your place find find your niche uh, you can always, I would imagine, uh, within reason, come back uh, and, and get into the box again if exactly. you so wish. Yeah. Um, but the argument is, you don't know until you try. And, and we've me, spoken about that quite a lot. Yeah. You know, that might may, may happen to me. Well, you know, but it's okay. One thing's for sure. I can. Uh, I'm, I'm confident, uh, not because I know, but because I. My gut feeling is uh, this is going to take you in a whole series of directions, Joe. Mm. And uh, we'll meet, uh, you know, three months time in in, in March, whether in the UK or over in Bali or whatever else but in the end we're going to be talking about a great many things more than we're yep. talking about today for I'm sure confident that. just before we came come to the end of this first episode I will say I think you've already mentioned it but basically we're going to meet weekly on Skype sure, shall sure. we say and we're going to have a conversation and I'm going to be in different places around the world and I'm going to be meeting lots of different people who are all doing this journey, and we're going to bring them to you as much as we can, give you as much value as possible. And I'm probably going to go through a spot of loneliness and things like that, and it's going to be interesting for that to be communicated over the airwaves. Sure, but at the end of the day, also, I'm bringing a lot of clients, or ex-clients that I've worked with, who are looking outside of the box, just looking and very uh, necessarily keenly aware of where Joe's at uh, mm. and eager to see how it works from, from that perspective. Um, so Joe's bringing, I'm bringing, and we're talking really at the same time about mental health issues um, uh, in the background always. So yeah, let's see what uh, goes on, Joe. Yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you very much for the first um, episode. Shake your handsies. There you go. Right.